0: Hi guys, today we're discussing infertility. Infertility is a common problem in Australia, affecting about one in six couples. It is generally defined as the inability for a couple to fall pregnant after 12 months of having unprotected sex, or if the female partner is over 35 after six months of unprotected sex. The definition of infertility can also be broadened to include couples who achieve pregnancies but experience repetitive losses. So joining me on the show today is Karinya. Welcome, Karinya. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming on. I guess I just wanted to start by saying that, Corinna, you've obviously kindly agreed to come on to open up about your personal journey with infertility. Uh, and we're not saying that your experiences are necessarily reflective of what other people will experience, um, because every journey with fertility, IVF, pregnancy and childbirth is
1: very unique. So can you just start by telling us a bit about yourself? <laughs> uh, yeah, so hi, I'm Karinya. I am a wife and I'm now a mother of two beautiful children that I'm very, very grateful for. Uh, my background is conferencing and events. I'm a professional conference organiser. Now in my spare time, I do a bit of teaching at TAFE and uh infertility and birthing has become something that i'm really passionate about i Mm -hmm. guess because of my journey so i dabble a little bit in that too and hope to take that a lot further so when i saw this opportunity arise i just thought yeah i I love the opportunity to share like you said to try to break that stigma a little that does still Mm -hmm. exist and i didn't realize either just how common infertility was and how common IVF is and how incredible it is and what amazing access and opportunity I guess we have uh, in our country at least anyway so it's an honor really to share and thank Um, you.
0: Thank you for being here so yeah it's um it is it's really helpful because you know it's it's not something that people are that aware of or in tune with until it becomes maybe an issue for them personally so yeah uh,
1: we really appreciate your time you can never understand (laughs) something until you've experienced it yourself really and that's in every aspect of life so Mm.
0: I just wanted to start kind of before you even got to the Mm -hmm. point of planning a family can you just tell us what type of contraception, I guess, if any, you were using before you were kind of on this family planning journey? <laughs>
1: I was using contraception. I was such a stickler for contraception, like very, very much a stickler. I did not want any as awful as it sounds, unplanned pregnancies. As soon as I became sexually active, I was on the pill straight away from the very beginning. Um, I can't recall now if it was the mini pill or the pill, what the difference is there. I just remember the doctor saying at the time, Oh, we'll give this one a go, and I remember thinking, (laughs) "What? So if I fall pregnant, then you realise that that's not the right one for me. Like I didn't know how to take that. I'm sure they were referring to side effects and all that sort of thing, possibly. But that was just how it how it sounded to me. So no, I was on. I was always on the pill, and I was one of those take it at the same time every day, don't even miss a sugar pill type of people, very organized and um, yes, very, very careful like that. And then hubby and I went on a bit of a worldwide adventure for about six months and before we went on that, I got the Implanon inserted into my arm. So um, for those that don't know, the Implanon is just like a small plastic stick or a rod. I had it inserted in the top of my left arm um, and it reduces the hormone Progestogen um, and that's slowly released into the body. So that does the same thing. Actually, it's even better because you don't get a period at all. So for me, I just thought I'd hit the jackpot. That was absolutely amazing. This little rod was inserted and I never had to, you know, worry about contraception again for two years. Anyway, I had that in for. I said I was that anal about it. I was worried about traveling and different time zones. And, you know, would I throw that (laughs) schedule with the pill all out of whack? And a friend of mine at work had this implant on and absolutely loved it and another girl got it and everyone was raving about it so I jumped on that bandwagon myself and yeah thought it was the best thing ever. so I could have it for you can have it for three years the same one and I had it for two I had it removed early then with the intention of trying for a family I can't remember now how long I had it removed but I I'm sure I gave myself a few months before um before then trying and then it was just condoms yeah in between that time so used to used to variety was always very 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 careful when yeah. I didn't want the child yes yeah. as yet yeah, yep yeah.
0: and if any listeners are interested I guess particularly in the implanon where we've done an episode already all about the pros the cons how it's used where to get it all that kind of stuff so you can go back and listen to that if you're interested <laughs> So, Corinna, obviously having used a few different types of contraception, were you expecting any delay in your return to fertility that your doctor had discussed with you or anything like that? I
1: wasn't at all, to be truthful. I don't even think it ever really crossed my mind. This particular colleague who I'd known who had had it for quite some time, she was quite a few years older than me and she fell pregnant immediately, to the best of my knowledge, after having it removed. So, I guess I had. Always carried that in my mind and you know, I was twenty six, I was fit, I was healthy, I was ready to start a family. Yeah, never factored yeah. in anything like that, I don't think.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I guess that's one of the good things too about implanton. We don't routinely, you know, warn people about a return mm. to fertility because it is so quick yeah, in yeah. general. Yeah. yeah. So so did you have kind of a vague expectation about the time it would take? <laughs> Between saying, okay, I
1: I want to have a baby and that actually eventuating? Oh, again, I think I was so naive for want of a better word. I just thought, again, we were both young, fit and healthy enough. I thought that it would just happen. In hindsight, the good old contraception, possibly I never even needed it for the yeah. last five years. But um, yeah, I just thought when... No, I was a very organised person, and everything had gone to plan so far in our little lives that we'd put together. And now it was time to have a baby, and we just figured that it would, yeah, that it would happen. I hadn't, I hadn't, oh, I hadn't experienced any friends yet that had gone through it or anything like that. On the opposite, there were babies coming everywhere—some yeah. planned, some unplanned—and now it was just our turn, so yeah. we were excited for that. Yeah, yeah.
0: and. I mean, I know not everyone does this, but some people do go to a doctor just for general information, Mm. advice, whatever, before they try and have a pregnancy. Was that something that you guys did?
1: I don't think we did. I do know that I was on the elevate from, well, again, I think even they recommend that for three months before you start trying. So that might line up with when I probably had the implant on removed. And actually, I guess I would have spoken to the doctor then at the time, because I had to go into the clinic there to have it removed and um, got myself onto the elevator and was on that for yeah years and years and years after that. But mm. no, I don't think we did any sort of general... Health checks or anything yeah. like that. It sounds it was like just, you didn't have many health yeah, there was issues no anyway. Concerns, yeah. Nothing, you know, no flags. I was pretty regular with my menstrual cycle and that sort of thing. So yes, we were just assuming everything would go, yeah, as we'd hoped. So
0: after the Implanon was removed, did your periods come back pretty quickly? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So delay there no. either. Okay. So obviously, you you and your partner came to a point at some time when you were like, let's have a baby. We Can you did. just tell us a bit about it was when that the was? called the five-year plan, yeah. yes.
1: <laughs> so I was an organised person and, um, yeah, we we always sort of thought we'd be married for five years, we built a home, we travelled the world, we got well established into our careers, uh, you know, finances and that sort of thing was always pretty important to us. So we were really pretty well set up and then we got to that stage where that was the next, yep. the next thing to do, yeah. So that five-year plan. Yeah. <laughs> and you
0: mentioned you were about
1: 26 is that 26 right? yeah virtually 27 I think when we um yeah majority started planning yep. yeah
0: and do you mind if I ask how old your partner was oh, same
1: age he's okay. only about five months older than me yeah
0: yep. so can you mm-hmm. explain for us those first few months when you're having regular periods hoping to fall yep. pregnant Can you just talk to us about what that experience was like?
1: The first month was actually, I'll never forget, it was quite bizarre and with your expertise you might be able to explain it even better than me but I don't know if it was just the fact that I was just assuming that we would fall pregnant um, in that first month, whether I just convinced myself I was, I don't know. But that very first month I only ever got one drop in my menstrual cycle
0: Right. And yeah. it's
1: one of those things that you know, I remember exactly where I was, when I was, because it was such a shock to me because I was like, oh my gosh, this could mean that I'm not pregnant. And I thought I was going to be. Um, so, yeah, f- you know, freaked myself out, but only ever got that one drop. And I was like, oh, okay, of course, doing pregnancy tests, not getting, um, not getting a positive, but thinking, okay, it's still early. You start becoming Doctor Google yourself and going, oh yeah, there's this thing called implantation bleeding and that sort of thing. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. So yeah, just wasn't convinced. Wasn't getting the positive pregnancy test. So in the end, driving yourself crazy. It was like, okay, we just have to leave it and wait for the next month to roll around. Continue trying, etc. Like that. And then it was that second month where I properly got my period and then it was just like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, mm. I'm not pregnant and it had been two months then and I wasn't pregnant and I was that much of a control freak. I can laugh about it now. Right. I shouldn't. That that two months because that was in January, February, well, I wasn't going to try in March or April because that would mean a Christmas baby. Oh, right. And my brother was you born are planner, on December you? the 22nd <laughs> so I'd grown up with him having to share, you know, birthday and Christmas and I was like, well, if I can control it. <laughs> I will. So I said, I can laugh about it now. It was very over the top, but we didn't then try for those next two months because I didn't want the Christmas baby and then back into it after that. And then, yeah, like you said, it just became that cycle of trying waiting which is of course the hardest part um and then getting your and then getting your period and it's such an emotional roller coaster yeah. it really yeah. really is hard for the male too because the female's always the one who obviously knows yeah. first um so you know he was always you know waiting for the call from me mm-hmm. I guess or you know when he'd walk in the door and I would sort of have the news but um yeah it um It just, yeah, would come every month and then I wasn't necessarily, you know, a good old 28-dayer, so some months it would be shorter, some months it would be longer, whether that was linked, of course, to the stress of it as well and the anticipation, but, you know, I know one month it got out to 46 days and that's just torture because it's like I don't want to believe that I am but it has to happen sometime, right? So maybe I could be, but you really start to become very protective of your heart and, sure. um, yeah, and not getting too excited. So, yeah, a roller coaster is mm. the best is the best term for it and I would react differently every time, you know. Sometimes, sometimes there'd be tears, sometimes there'd just be a shrug of the shoulders and, oh, well, you know, let's try again next time. Yeah. Yeah, all, all over the place.
0: And when you were kind of in this phase of, I guess what was maybe the early days mm-hmm. of trying were many people in your kind of family or friendship groups aware that you were trying for a baby or did um, you feel you could share that experience with others
1: I think it was I think we had made it pretty pretty clear that we were starting when we were starting to try yeah in hindsight was that a good decision I don't know but we were we were pretty open with a lot of people, but they were pretty, very respectful, I guess, of where we were at and so forth. Um, I said we'd been married, say, five and a half, coming up to six years probably by that time. So, people were starting to wonder what was what was going mm-hmm. on and so forth. But um, yeah, I definitely didn't involve people at that point probably in all the nitty gritty and yeah. Uh, yeah, and that sort of thing.
0: For sure, yeah. And you mentioned something, I guess this is interesting for me, obviously not having been through this mm. myself but you mentioned obviously getting your period and you're always going to be the first one to know mm. and it's almost like you all also have to be the breaker of bad news to Absolutely. your partner every single time i well, so dealing
1: with those emotions yeah, yourself just like as an well. added
0: stress for you yeah <laughs> also have to I, communicate that to another person yes. who is equally as
1: hopeful and Absolutely, yeah. but it's completely out of their control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, um, it was. Yeah, it wasn't fun by yeah. any by any means. Yeah, um, mm.
0: yeah.
1: And in your blog, because you have a blog where you mm. discuss
0: a lot of different aspects of Mm. the experience you and your partner have had. And you talk about this baby boom sensation. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: The, The baby boom, just when you start to notice, and it can be, again, about any aspect of life, whatever it is that you're walking through, you just start to notice it everywhere you know and it just grew further than my immediate circle of friends who of course we were all in that sort of same age and season and and that sort of thing so that all made sense but you know it just seemed to stand out so much more at any shopping center or walking down the street or whatever it was there were just these beautiful pregnant bellies everywhere and yeah you just become way more Way more aware of it, I guess, and just wondering when it's going to be your turn. Like anything that you're longing, you're longing for, and um, Good and try. it's just not, and it's just not happening. So, so
0: how long were you and your partner trying for a pregnancy before you kind of started to think hmm, maybe something is?
1: Maybe something's not quite right. Again, I think I was pretty – I was either naive or I didn't want to know. We let it go probably longer than we should have or could have for sure. Um, That whole statistic you said earlier about infertility being, you know, once you've been trying for 12 months, I didn't even really know that. I guess I just got to a point where – someone had to be the statistic. And I realized that that was us. And it made sense looking around at all of the friends that we had who were having children. And like I said, I'd not yet met anyone who was going through the same thing. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's do the sums. We are that one in six or whatever it might be, you know, a couple. So um yeah, we did leave it for for quite a while and I can't even remember how long but it was definitely past that past that 12 month stage before we yeah sort of went to the doctor I guess and said hey this is the situation I think it was (laughs) a shock when I realized from them that they sort of say 12 months and I was like oh we've been trying a lot longer than that because to be given that label I guess of infertile that was yeah yeah, a bit daunting maybe as well and no one likes to be labeled with yeah with anything really so I guess that was a bit yeah, maybe buried our heads in the sand for a yeah. little while, hoping hoping for a miracle, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And so obviously when you've, been trying for over 12 months you're not having a pregnancy can you tell us what you what you did next
1: um so then when we did see the doctor um the testing went straight you know my husband needed to do a few tests there to see how everything was on his end um and then from my point of view they i just went in for day surgery and they did a hysteroscopy and a laparoscopy which essentially and again you'd know how to describe that better than me but it was all about checking out my insides so yeah they recommended those tests tests like I said my husband had tests um, and then they ended up then you know when we went back to see the doctor he was basically just like IVF is the way to go and that shocked me at the time because in my head for whatever reason I thought there'd be other options before IVF and I don't. I guess I still knew nothing about IVF, really never known anybody to go through it. So in my head, I sort of thought, oh, they're going to put me on different supplements or husband or all of us on supplements or do different tests. So it was a bit of a shock when it was just like, no, this is, if you want to have children, um, I remember them saying, you know, it is it is possible, but you will need some help. So yeah, from there it was IVF. And more specifically, they, um, they suggested ICSI, which we'll talk about. And I remember saying, okay, well, I thought I needed private health insurance for that. So I needed to, up- well, we had it, but I needed to upgrade it. And um, so that was, we just waited another 12 months yeah. after that, again, yeah. hoping that things would happen naturally. In the meantime, hoping I could relax about it all a bit more. We did everything that everyone suggested, go on holidays, quit your job. I even ended up (laughs) doing that down the track, quit my full-time job and um, yeah, hoping that it would would all happen. But in the end, yes, as you know, that's the way we went.
0: Yeah. And so presumably you saw a GP first of
1: all or would have needed a referral. And then yes, did you see a
0: private gynecologist or
1: did you go to a public hospital? Um, Do you remember? So, so we've just got a local IVF clinic here near where we live. So, yes, I would have just... Been to the GP, of course, explained all that. I would have gotten a referral, um, and I believe this obstetrician practices in both private and public. But because we did have private health cover, we went through that yep. um, through them for everything, yeah. Okay. And then he went on to become my obstetrician as well, so yeah. yeah.
0: And prior to having the laparoscopy and the hysteroscopy, mm-hmm. do you remember having ultrasounds or blood tests or anything? Oh, else there's a along? lot of blood tests,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of blood tests. You essentially feel like a human pincushion, yes. yeah. So, again, thank. Thankfully, I'd always been all right with that and you get pretty used to it. So I've lost track of how, because even through that, there's just blood tests constantly. Um, So yes, you're right, that probably would have been one of the first things that they did. Um, and what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, ultrasounds as well. Yes, the internal ultrasound, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, the first time for that, something a bit of an experience. Yeah. <laughs> but once you've been through, once you've been, if look, if you want to have a baby, you just need to get used to, yeah. yes, them probing in that area, definitely. Sure. And once you've had a baby, you just have no decency anymore. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think so. <laughs> so I've heard.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, So because usually we in medicine in general we, we investigate things in a stepwise kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. So we usually would start with the least invasive yes, thing. Because obviously course. if it's something really easily fixed. reversible. Yeah. We're not gonna go and do a hysteroscopy on yes. everybody. Yes. Um so yeah, it usually starts with that more simple stuff and, you know, in some cases, you know, they never find a reason for That's the infertility. Right. Yep. So yeah. Yep. I guess it just has to come a point where you make a decision. So mm-hmm. so most people have heard of IVF mm-hmm. But you went through, you mentioned ICSI or
1: ICSI. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about that? So that is just, it's still... It's almost an additional part of an IVF treatment cycle, I guess. so your traditional IVF, they get the sperm, they get the egg, you can imagine a petri dish, so to speak, and they pop them in there and to the best of my knowledge, they essentially let them do their, you know, do their thing, um, you know, hoping that the sperm will fertilize the egg. ICSI takes it a step further where they actually choose a particular sperm, and obviously they're going to choose the very best one they can find, and they actually, insert that into an egg for you so they're they're taking it that extra step Um, and I remember the doctor saying and I don't even know if he did many just traditional IVFs anymore because he was like this is the best chance of success and if you're going to spend the money and go through all this then let's give you the absolute best possible yeah chance of success so yeah this was when they actually physically themselves inserted the best sperm they could into uh, into the egg yeah for you just to make sure it got there yeah
0: Mm. okay and and so leading up to obviously the sperm and the egg being in the mm-hmm. Petri dish, as you say, <laughs> what, what was that process like for you leading up to that? Oh.
1: Um, so there was, there was quite a bit that I had to do, I guess, from my end. There was a nasal spray that they gave me that I needed to take twice a day um, for quite some time. And then as we got closer, um, there was daily injections that I needed to do as well. That can be a little daunting when, you know, if people are thinking of giving them themselves an injection, but it was really just like an EpiPen. Just straight into my tummy. It was no sweat, no drama. I mean, it didn't bother me at all. So if anyone's apprehensive about that, it was really quick, really easy. They give it to you in its own little discreet little cooler bag, and you asked before whether I'd shared with, you know, with family and friends. And I recall, like when we were going through this cycle, really not many people, not many people knew. So oh gosh I think we were at you know a wedding or an engagement party once and I had to sneak off and you know do it in the car and I remember I got an extra shift once at work and I had to call hubby and he had to bring it in um yeah. you know but it was also manageable and we managed to yeah keep it all pretty much on the down low I guess you would say and yeah, yeah that was all pretty all pretty straightforward um and I think that was really it in terms of the medication I guess they were they were artificially stimulating my hormones i suppose um to try to get my eggs as um yeah plump and ready (laughs) i suppose as they could and as opposed to your normal menstrual cycle where you just would generally release one egg their whole idea is then that they go in and collect your eggs and they'll collect as many as they as they can yeah Mm. increase your chances Mm.
0: yeah and with the injections was that like a very strict time I you had to leave at it it? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. And in your blog as well, you talk about your experience of OHSS mm. that was kind of going on at this point. Can you talk to us a bit so about that? So,
1: OHSS, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. I was very lucky. Thankfully, I didn't get, you know, I didn't get too far into that. But my eggs, I guess, responded very, very well to the meds that they gave me. Um, perhaps a little too well, and it came down. I remember I'd gone in for a check. You know, and it was the Friday, and they weren't expecting me to come back until like the following Tuesday. Um, and they were doing their internal ultrasounds again, as they do, and looking at the looking at the eggs. And you know, I could tell, like, because they were measuring them, they were looking for a certain size. And it was a case of, oh my gosh, you're ready. We need to do this now. Um, and I ended up having to go to our um, our major city the following day on a Saturday because we couldn't do it here locally. So yeah, it was it was a case of they needed to act fast. If it had gotten any further, um, A, they they would need to cancel the cycle. And from my understanding, I could have gotten very sick, but thankfully that didn't, thankfully that didn't happen. So
0: obviously all of this stuff is going on. You're having all these investigations. What toll did that take on you physically, emotionally?
1: I... I was actually really really fortunate and I need to be careful here because like you said before every journey is just so unique and I don't I can't paint a picture of what my experience is like for somebody else because the whole the the meds, the meds that I had and everything like that, I didn't have any side effects. And I should have from everything that everyone was saying. And of course, you know, from what I'd read about other women, it can be a very taxing time on your body. Um, I remember going in um, and they were sort of like, that's great that you're feeling so good, but you need to be ready. You need they're like this weekend, it's just gonna hit you. You know, you'll be lucky to get up off the lounge kind of thing. Like you've gotta be, you've gotta know it's 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 coming. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's really gonna hit you hard. And for whatever reason, it never did. So I'm very, so very good. thankful. <laughs> of course it's still emotional, but I guess for the first time we were actually actively taking yeah. positive steps in, you know, and um, yeah, in a in a different direction, I guess. So we were very hopeful, nervous, of course still no idea how it would all pan out but at least taking things a step further sure. than we had before so
0: after you've had all those hormone treatments mm-hmm. can you talk to us about the actual the process Yep. Yeah. so
1: then again it's just essentially day surgery um and they were then collecting my eggs from me, So again, I was put under, um, under general anesthetic and my husband needed to go separately and do his thing so that we had the sperm, of course, to use as well when the time came. But no, I went under and they do whatever they do, of course, in terms of going in. Again, all, all keyhole, very non-invasive uh, procedures, but you wake up with, well, here at least, you wake up with tape on your hand, and that tells you how many eggs they had Aww, collected, that's which nice. was which was nice. <laughs> um, and I woke up to find nineteen on my hand, which blew me away because that is, yeah. yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So um, that was pretty exciting. Um, I said again, yeah, very straightforward. It's all very quick and very and very easy. So um, yeah, they they collect the eggs then, and of course they collect the sperm and then they go and they go and do their thing and it's a bizarre concept if you think about like (laughs) creating human life outside the body it's just it's it's just amazing (laughs) yeah so if I think I've got I had 19 eggs that were collected um and then 10 of them is what they chose to fertilize. Okay. Meanwhile, my husband and I are freaking out going, we know we want kids, <laughs> but we didn't sign up for, Tens for 10. <laughs> <laughs> for, and they were like, don't worry, you know, it'll halve, it'll halve again, it'll yeah. halve again, like, you know, this is, but this is really, really good to hopefully have one or two at the end. Okay. So, yeah, we went from 19 to 10 that were fertilized. Uh, and then however that works, we ended up with five embryos. Um, so they grow them for want of a better word in their petri dishes. I don't exactly know test tubes, whatever it may be. Um, they grow them for five days and of course they're observing them making sure that they're doing what they're meant to be doing of course they're multiplying and multiplying again and multiplying again and yeah what they're working towards is a day five blastocyst or essentially an embryo and then they choose what they feel is the best one of those because they grade them a plus 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 and yeah they choose the best one to implant so wow. that's pretty exciting yeah. so what happened for you guys after that first one? so that's i had to go back in then when uh, you know on day five they're of course matching up your body with with the blastocyst so back on day five they um inserted the embryo and again a very straightforward procedure just in the clinic like i said you're getting pretty used to them dabbling mm. around in that area by then <laughs> so um it's actually pretty cool i said if if It doesn't happen naturally. It's still a pretty amazing process. They're sort of linked, the clinic's linked to the laboratory behind and uh, they show you it on a screen, the microscope. It's got your name on it because, of course, you need to (laughs) confirm (laughs) that this is your – because, again, it's amazing. This is all happening outside of your – body um, so yeah you're, you're confirming yes that's me and okay that must be my embryo and you actually watch them insert it into their syringe for want of a better word and then they come on through and, and the doctor pops it in mm-hmm. and he's using you know, again you can watch him doing it all uh, on the screen it's pretty amazing he's looking of course for the best spot to yeah. to pop it in. And just with the I
0: guess practicalities of that procedure could your partner be in the room yes. at the same time yeah. that's yeah. awesome he so he can be involved too. In Everything, yeah. And again just nitty-gritty stuff mm. what kind
1: of position are you in when they're doing all uh, of this too almost like you picture <laughs> a dentist chair or something like yeah. that yeah just sitting sitting back in a chair and of course then they um incline your lower half i suppose and yep. yes i sort of just averted my eyes to the screen <laughs> and watch what they were doing there you're all covered up and like i said you get pretty used to yeah you trust that they're the professionals and i always say hey you guys are the ones who chose that for a living so really <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> this is not on <laughs> me <laughs> So, yeah, waiting game. Talk waiting game. Talk to us game. about yeah, what, what
1: happened. Um, so we – again it's all you were encouraged not to do any pregnancy tests or anything like that and it was all done again I think it was day 10 they did your first blood test or something like that um, but again I know I'd gone in for the blood test in the morning and then we were waiting for we were waiting for the call and I wanted hubby to be there with me so you know she'd already tried calling me and I'm like no hubby's not home yet so we sort of waited and waited and waited I'd convinced myself that it wasn't happening. And mm-hmm. again, whether that's just again a case of self-preservation and not wanting to get your hopes up. But I did have a discharge. But what you also have that first time around, um, mine was called like crinone gel or something like that. Like it's a progesterone type gel that you had to um insert, I guess. And that was to keep helping your levels and that sort of thing, I guess. And that was pretty goopy and and yeah, a bit yuck, I guess. So I did have a discharge. And I guess what I just to me it it you know I thought it was blood even though it wasn't you know your bright red blood so it's like oh is it from this gel or is it mm-hmm. but I just had a real uneasiness about it so I'd you know I'd convinced myself that it wasn't happening so then we got the call when hubby got home you know when we rang her and she was like hey you know and she asked how we were feeling I sort of explained you know what I was thinking and I told her that I was having some discharge and she was like well actually you know congratulations you are you know (laughs) you are expecting and it was like oh my gosh okay what do we do now (laughs) you don't even know how to react because it's too good to be true and and that sort of thing so I couldn't shake this uneasiness about it still um but yes apparently you know we were expecting Um, So we went out for a little celebratory dinner and so forth that, that night. But there were still more blood tests, I think, to follow to keep checking that your levels were going up. But by the next day, I was bleeding. Right. so uh, uh. you know then they got me straight in to check the levels and it was like no the levels are going down and then you've got to keep getting checked again to make sure those levels are continuing to go down and that you go yeah. back to to yeah what you're supposed to be I guess so that was a very quick sharp and short roller coaster that was mm. just a yes you're pregnant um and then yes yeah, straight away the next day again sort of no you're, yeah. no, you're not so, so that was huge, our first experience so like, yeah. with the first with yeah. the first cycle a bit of a slap in the face um mm. Um, but we had four frozen embryos, which yeah. was great news because you know a lot of couples go through the whole process, and and that could have been that could have been it, and they could have had to go through the whole yeah the whole cycle again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We know whereas we had four we had four frozen ones ready there waiting yeah. to go, so that was good. But yeah, that was the first experience. Yeah, mm. wow,
0: and so. I guess would you call it a miscarriage? They did. Is that what they they called it that a that miscarriage. Yeah,
1: yeah, which um, which shocked me, and it still it it's funny because I wish I never knew I was pregnant that one, you yeah. know, and if I'd left it. A day longer I would have just thought oh yeah here's my period again just like every other time you know and not um yeah and not caught at that but no they did ca- they did call it a miscarriage on all of my paperwork and everything like that yeah, yeah I'm down as having had a miscarriage which and I'm like well gosh who knows how many I may have already naturally <laughs> maybe yeah. that time I got to 46 days maybe that was yeah. too you just don't know but this was of course so you know medically everything had to be right so yeah they did I even had to go in and see Um, the head doctor at the clinic and essentially have like a counselling session which you know I was just like I don't need to be here this to me I was just mad that you even told me I was pregnant and I you know and I'm not I could have done without that definitely Mm -hmm. um because for then for us then it was just let's just carry on and try (laughs) try again
0: for sure yeah and so how long did it take for you to kind of feel ready to go through that whole process again? They
1: were happy for us to try again straight away the next month as long as we yeah. were happy to. You know, like I said, they monitored all the levels to make sure they'd all return to what they were meant to and we were good to go. So um, it was different second time round because I did have um, a regular menstrual cycle. Like I said, it wasn't always 28 days, but it was monthly. Um, they worked with that. So, yeah, it was different. I said I I didn't need all of those medications and things again because they already had the blastocyst ready to go, so they just worked with my cycle. So that just involved a lot of blood tests again because what they needed to determine now was when I ovulated because then their aim was to, on day five after that, to pop the blastocyst in again and again, then. So, um, yeah, that was all really quite straightforward, and I didn't need the gel or anything like that that time either. So, yeah. We tried straight away again the following (laughs) month um, and the following month it did work. So that was our our beautiful boy who's now six years old, yeah. Amazing. Um, And that was very, very cool. And I don't know, straight away that time I felt better about that one. Obviously I didn't have any discharge or anything like that and when the nurse checked it she said your levels are actually much higher this time than they were at this time, last time. So, yeah, so that one was successful and, um, and that was our first pregnancy and everything from there was a breeze. I had the most amazing pregnancy and birth and everything. That's all on my blog because birth's a huge thing for me too. So interesting
0: too that obviously they're trying to pick the highest quality ones to start with. But it obviously doesn't necessarily equate no, to what's going to be no. a full term or successful exactly pregnancy. Right.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. And from what I understand, the frozen have just as much success as um, or success rates as if they were going with the fresh ones the fresh as well, one. which was good because that was my first question too. Or, you know, because then they need to go through an unthawing process and so forth too. Oh, it's you. just incredible. Yeah. It is amazing. Incredible. Yeah.
0: And so, can you tell us what happened with? the last well the remaining three
1: the remaining three so then of course I I had we had our first baby and was swept into that whole newborn season and raising a child and um yeah that's incredible that is a whole nother journey and um yes I understood why that becomes all people talk about and live and breathe Mm -hmm. and everything like that so but of course me still again wanting to control as much as I as I could you know I went for what would have been our our gap that we were aiming for anyway between children um so her boy would have been just over 18 months or something like that probably when we tried um, when we tried again and it was very much the same process again now because mm-hmm. they knew that this had worked with my natural cycle again it was just a case of give us a call when you're ready to ready to try again and it was the same process just the blood mm-hmm. tests to see when I ovulated and then they chose they chose it and interestingly enough it worked just the same way the third one didn't work um but thankfully we were told that straight we've told that straight away this time um we were unsuccessful with the third but then a month later we went again and the fourth one the fourth one same time frame and everything (laughs) yeah yeah so then we had a beautiful baby girl with that one so you know we had two children and we had the pigeon pair as everybody says which like i said i couldn't care less about (laughs) but it's pretty sweet having the opportunity to raise you know a boy and a girl very very different so that's been amazing and then we still had the one remaining and I guess that was the hard part purely because we just didn't know was our family complete or was it not and I guess I should point out that we had made the call right from the very beginning that we would always try every single embryo that we had oh, because okay. you don't have to. No wonder that 19 scared you yes. at the start. <laughs> it did. And look, if you wanted to, you could even um, tell them then how many eggs you wanted them to fertilize. But of right. course, if you start to put restrictions like that in place, then when they tell you it's gonna halve and halve and halve again, you know, you're you're affecting your potential success rate at the end. And we were we were totally happy to have a third child, but it's just again such a bizarre scenario where it's out of your control you know most couples get to make that decision of whether or not you know we're going to have another child um for ours for us it was going to be made for us so a um, common
0: theme through your journey it
1: seems (laughs) it was it was and that one again I had to wait till I was mentally and physically prepared to have three children but that whole time it had to stay in my head that it it may not. I may not have three children, but I had to physically get prepared to. So we pretty much had the same same gap again uh, and then that one didn't work. And that was probably the hardest really just because it was the final one. Not that I necessarily wanted, I wasn't craving the third child, but every other time there'd always been a backup. I yeah, guess, if it didn't sure. work, you so had another one. It was very yeah. final. Um, and I probably needed to grieve that one a bit more maybe than the others. Yeah. But then on the other hand, it was like hubby and I were like, yes, we know, you know, this is us, this is our family, there's two of them, there's two of us, and we felt like we stepped into a whole new season after yeah. that, which was pretty cool.
0: And so obviously you've had a lot of medical intervention mm. in becoming pregnant. Mm-hmm. Did that carry through to your pregnancies or were you able oh. to have... Nice normal Absolutely. <laughs> pregnancy. Absolutely,
1: my pregnant of the doctors. Oh, I, I had no morning sickness. I was fit, healthy, active. Oh, my pregnancies were amazing. Yeah.
0: So, just I guess some final things on the practicalities. You, do you mind telling us how much this whole? Procedure cost
1: overall. I had never done the sums until you asked me to. (laughs) I don't think I ever really wanted to know because, again, it was something like that. (laughs) No, no, it was interesting, actually. I think, but I I do because people have asked me before and I've said, you know, I don't think it's as much as people expect still yeah. I still think it's got a real um yeah it's a bit frightening for people they worry about how much it's going to cost and we didn't know initially either um I worked I did some quick sums and from what I could work out it looks like it cost us about three thousand for each cycle for one of a better word so say we went through that five times um yep. so out of pocket about three thousand per embryo that okay. we um that we had um the invoice that i was looking at you know was <laughs> eight thousand dollars but medicare covers a lot okay. and, and people might not be aware yeah. of that i think um, a lot of people don't know oh, that. and like i said you, i thought just in for whatever reason i don't know where i came to the conclusion but i assumed i should say that you needed private health insurance to go through IVF, yep. and I want to make it clear too that that's not that's not the case. Um, you know, we'd had it since we were thirty for tax purposes, but I said I needed to upgrade it then to cover various aspects. But I had no idea how much Medicare covered, so do your research. And there's different providers as well. We just went through IVF Australia because they were our local clinic, and they were amazing. I, oh, I can't speak highly enough about them. But if you're in a major city, there's different clinics you can yep. go through too, so you can get an idea of costs. Um, but yeah, it looked like about 3000 per per round, I guess, for us. And then we did need to pay to keep our blastocysts frozen of as course. well. So we had to pay for that every six like months. rent, that, isn't it? Because <laughs> I hate to think how much space they took up. <laughs> but um, that came every six months we'd get the bill in right. the mail for them. Um, it was $300 to freeze them initially and then it ranged. Of course, it goes up over time, but it was ended up being 250 between 200 and 250 every okay. six months to keep them... On ice, and that was for all of them. So, you know, when we were, it was the same price for the four as it was still when we were only left with the one. So I worked out that was probably about an extra two. So it was probably about seven, Mm -hmm. you know, 17,000 or something like that for us personally. Out of pocket, I said Medicare did cover a lot, which was amazing. Yeah. yeah, And then it's just, (laughs) yeah, your your private health, yes, comes in handy for, um, you know, hospital stays and that sort of thing, but it wasn't something that you had to had to have it didn't really do me any any favors I just wasted time that I didn't need to
0: (laughs) so knowing what you know now after having been through all of this is there any advice you would give to women or men as well who are planning a family kind of one day (sighs) in the future eventually. <laughs> oh, look,
1: if in that sense, no all you know, just carry on. Like you said, maybe a health check or so forth beforehand could be recommended. But if anything, I just wouldn't have left it so long, I think, to have, you know, to have gone and gotten assistance. There was no reason that, it, you know, we needed to, we were on our five-year plan. There was no reason we needed to go through five years of infertility. And the other one is just be careful who yeah, who maybe you do share the information with and just be be sensitive. You you call the shots. So yeah. I think the biggest thing we found, you know, when people started wondering, okay, you know, you've been married for eight years, what's going on? You know, why aren't you having children? And it's like, oh, you know, we're trying, you know, or well, we've been trying a while and nothing's sort of happening and the one question people would they would want to know whose fault it was, whose yeah. prob- you know they wanted to know where the issue lay, and I found that really confronting and really quite rude. Um, yeah. and I will you know, we've always been very protective of each other, I guess. And it's like, well, it takes two to tango, and we're a team, <laughs> and we are trying for a baby, so if it's not working, it doesn't matter, you know, why. But for whatever reason, people mm. were always looking for an answer to that question, and I never gave it to them, so yeah. Um, yeah, you. just just be aware, be sensitive of who you share the information with and even you just, you know, it's amazing to have a support team, definitely, your closest friends, mom, whatever it might be. Yeah, you just decide how many people you share it. Yeah. Yeah, how many people you share it with, I guess. It's like you don't meet people that are just like oh yeah we're gonna go and have sex tonight and try to have a baby like you know you might tell your best friend I guess or something (laughs) like that maybe but it's like oh IVF's no different and um yeah I had amazing friends who were really really respectful Mm. and they knew what I was going through but they waited for me if I wanted to share something with them I would and otherwise they were just there if I needed them I suppose yeah yeah so obviously asking whose fault is it is not helpful (laughs) is there (laughs) any kind of
0: questions you would, if someone's supporting someone who is going through IVF... Mm. What kind of questions are helpful? Oh, look, by all means you can
1: just ask them how they're feeling, I guess, or is there anything that they can do or or anything like that, I guess. But yeah, just common sense stuff. Just (laughs) in general, I think that's if you know that somebody's going through it. But just in general, all of society needs to be a little bit more sensitive when it comes, you know, when it comes to it's with anything though, it's always the questions when are you getting married? And then when (laughs) are you having a baby, and then once you've had a baby, when are you having your second baby? And it's like people just need to mind their own business a bit more. more. Yeah exactly yeah. each their own oh. so yeah well, thank
0: you so much for sharing all of that and you share quite a lot of your story on your blog which you have mentioned a bit can you just it's tell us called, where people can yes, find that
1: please it's called the birthing journey and you'll just find it at the birthing so it's twofold it shares this whole IVF journey with you and infertility for anybody who's interested and then um, I really discuss the birthing side as well which I've become very passionate about so by all means there's plenty of information over on there as Wonderful. well
0: so we'll link that in the show notes along with some additional websites where you can get some reliable information if you are traveling through this journey or just want to know a little bit more so thank you so much Karina that's been amazing thank you for having me really appreciate it bye-bye thank you
1: You to you, you to me, you to us is a podcast for general discussion only. Nothing we talk about should be taken as personal medical advice, and does not substitute information or instructions given to you by your own doctor. If the podcast raises any questions or concerns for you, please see your GP, sexual health, or family planning clinic. For general discussion, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And please stop trusting strangers on the internet with your health. This podcast is a production of Simo Interactive, home of the My Millennial Money podcast.